Welcome to Living Orthodoxy, an invitation to a deeper life in Christ, a podcast of St. Philip Orthodox Church in Souderton, Pennsylvania, dedicated to connecting the liturgical and spiritual life of the Orthodox parish with the life of the Orthodox home, presenting the weekly homilies of our parish pastors, Father Noah Buscelli and Father James Thayer, as well as discussions of the liturgical year and Orthodox life and practice by Justin Gold and Jeff Hyatt. Invited his parish to come up and join him. 
not a lot of tears. <laughs> Eventually he realized he could no longer leave this flock because he no longer believed what they believed. They were unwilling to follow him down this road that he was traveling. So he made this great decision, but he was going to resign from his pastorship there. He gave up his job leading this flock of hundreds whom he had served almost his entire adult life. He left behind a very stable and good income that took care of him and his family and all his health benefits. And he became a catechist in the Orthodox Church. <clears throat> he left behind everything he knew because he wanted to proclaim the truth no matter the cost. It's been a really big adjustment for him. I know he struggles with it a lot of times. But I also see all the things that God is doing in his life and all the ways that God is rewarding his great faith. And I know he doesn't regret a single thing about joining himself to Christ in his church. And as you think about that story and think about dozens if not hundreds of similar stories from the Antiochian clergy throughout the country, there's somebody else I want you to think about. Uh, my parents moved to Houston almost four years ago. Uh, whenever we go visit them, we go to St. George of Houston. It's uh, kind of the mother church of the Antiochian diocese out there. And we're driving down the highway, we get off the highway. Right across the street, or on the other side of the highway, I guess you would say, is a bigger church. It's called Lakewood. Has anybody heard of it? Uh, Pastor Joel Osteen's church. They use the building that the Houston Rockets used to use for basketball games. And it's filled to the brim every Sunday with 20,000-something people. <laughs> for those of you who don't know about this game, they offer your best life now and many inspirational self-helpers. Now, when Pastor Joel comes to church, he's either chauffeured personally or he picks a car from one of his many luxury cars and drives himself there. When he's done preaching, he goes back to his multi-million-dollar mansion in the suburbs of Houston. During the week, he does TV and radio shows, he writes more books, he goes and speaks to different engagements. If you've ever listened to what he says, you know he's one of the biggest advocates of the prosperity gospel. This idea that somehow God rewards your faith by giving you material wealth, by giving you physical health, and making your overall earthly life better. That somehow these are the rewards that God has promised us, not heavenly rewards, but earthly rewards. And that these are the things that we should be seeking after. So if you're poor, it's because you don't have enough faith. If you're sick, it's because you don't have enough faith. If you have a difficult life, it's because you don't have enough faith. Even the most basic reading of the New Testament should tell you why this is inconceivably stupid and wrong. And yet millions of people around the world fall for what this man says every day. Even Orthodox people I know quote him on a regular basis. But these are the very heresies that were foretold by Paul. In the epistle today, Paul was hastening to get to Jerusalem in time for Pentecost, but he was still convening the council of the elders of Ephesus to warn them about what was to come. He said, Take heed to yourselves and to all the flock, in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers, to care for the church of God which he obtained with the blood of his own Son. I know that after my departure, fierce wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock, and from among your own selves will arise men speaking perverse things, to draw away the disciples after them. Therefore be alert, remembering that for three years I did not cease, night or day, to admonish everyone with tears. Paul reminds the elders of the church that it was not bought with their money, with their prestige, with their words, with their self-help books, 
but it was bought with the blood of Christ. And even from among these own men who saw and felt Christ, wolves would come about to tear people away with teachings that are not of God, not inspired by the Holy Spirit. Paul holds up then his own example that he ceaselessly admonished them with tears. His love for Christ and his love for the church was so great that he not only prayed ceaselessly, but wept ceaselessly for those he was in charge of and those that he cared for. A far cry from the God who wants you to be happy version of Christianity, so widely practiced where we live. He also reminds them that they themselves will personally come under attack when he says, I coveted no one's silver or gold or apparel. You yourselves know that these hands ministered to my necessities and to those who are with me. In all things I have shown you that by so toiling, one must help the weak. Remembering the words of the Lord Jesus, how it is said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. Paul's point here is not that wealth in and of itself is bad, because we know that it's not. But that covetousness is. Covetousness of worldly goods, covetousness of worldly power, covetousness of, covetousness of everything that we're told is good for us in this society. Especially to those who are in charge of the care of souls, this call is even greater. When I read this verse today, I thought of two other contrasting men. Does anybody know who Creflo Dollar is? He's another posterity manager. Um, about five or six years ago, he asked his hundreds of thousands of followers to sow seeds of faith. And what these seeds were, were $300 donations so that he could buy a Gulfstream G650, which is a very large private jet that you typically only get if you're a billionaire or run a corporation. He said that he needed this, and this is a direct quote from his website, so that our pastors and staff can continue to safely and swiftly share the good news of the gospel worldwide. The appeal read, Believe it or not, there are still millions of people on this planet who have never heard of Jesus Christ and know nothing of his greatness. Our hearts desire to see precious lives changed and snatched out of darkness and thrust into his marvelous light. How many people are there in the suburbs of Atlanta and in the South and in the United States as a whole that he can get without a gospel that have never heard the gospel, that are suffering in prison, that are suffering in hospitals, that are suffering through things that we don't even know about. I think of him and then I also think of Bishop Thomas. Bishop Thomas by Southwest. He doesn't pay for the upgraded seats. He's happy to be driven around the diocese in my super. He generally stays at a Holiday Inn Express. His only request for the room is that it's quiet and then have a desk for him to work from. We are surrounded by the wolves that St. Paul spoke of on all sides, but we're also surrounded by many great men. Those who are depicted on these walls and the women as well, and those that we had in charge of us, Father Noah and Father James, Bishop Thomas, and Paul and Joseph. But we cannot solely rely on the works of other men to get us to salvation. <laughs> the first council of fathers was important, and it will always be important, no matter how far away you get from but there is a need for us as well to become fathers of the present time. The church is not a relic of a time past or some precious heirloom that we come to see and be part of on a Sunday. Their words and their works must inspire us to our own words and our own works. If we truly live our faith, and if we are truly to follow the examples of the fathers who commemorate today, we must go out into the world and show people something better. We can't simply point forth without finger and say you're wrong, as so many conveniently do. 
We must engage with people who we disagree with and show them something better, something real, something true, what we have in this church. For those of us who are caught up in prosperity gospel, we need to show them the beauty of fasting, the beauty of suffering, the beauty of martyrdom. We must show our Baptists and Mennonite and other Protestant brethren the beauty of a faith that was not made by men, but was handed to us by Jesus Christ himself. We must show our Muslim brethren the lives of the saints who suffered and died in God and world, rather than convert, and the lives of those Muslims who are becoming Christians even now under the threat of death from ISIS, because they see something in the Christians who are hiding that they never saw in Islam. The Church gives us the example of the fathers today so we can go out and be fathers and mothers to an entirely new generation of Christians. To God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, be all glory, honor, and worship, now and ever, and to the ages of ages. Amen. Amen.